0: Good morning, everybody. How are you? Hope all is well. Welcome to another episode of Shada Philosophy. Today we're going to continue with number four in Book Three of Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, and I think there's two parts to this paragraph I want us to highlight. One, and we're keeping in mind he's he's writing this thousands of years ago, right? One, it's a critique. He's critiquing, I think, what can be viewed as a natural, just you know, a natural state of a person. Um, and we'll see how applicable it is today or how it might be even more applicable today, this critique he provides. And then he gives a suggestion that I hope to kind of add to uh, with some of my other work. So let's get into this paragraph. He writes to himself, you need to avoid certain things in your train of thought, everything random, everything irrelevant, and certainly everything self-important or malicious. So we have the idea of random, irrelevant, a sense of self-importance being promoted and maliciousness being promoted. So for me, and I'm, this might even be too clear to even. I might, you know, I run the risk of being redundant right now because I feel like this is so obvious. But this is, I think, an apt commentary on what might, what one might encounter if you spend a whole lot of time on social media, right? So I do think you can have a positive experience on social media, at the very least, on like a content level, right? So by that, I mean. You can come across something on social media that makes you laugh, something on social media that is positive. I think you could learn stuff on social media. My main thing with social media is I think we're spending too much time on it. And I don't think we have a healthy, good way of relating to it and understanding it yet. And I think it's not necessarily the case that social media is here to stay. I think it's possible that some forms of social media might be with us you know, eternally, I think it's possible that they all might go away. And the main reason for that is one, I mean, it's damaging us in some pretty serious ways. And there's a lot of really good research to suggest that that's accurate, right? And if that interests you, I'm going to give you three book recommendations. And again, this isn't necessarily to encourage that you quit social media, although that might not be a bad idea. Um, And some of this research or some of these books don't pertain or connect only to social media use. Some of them talk about that and also just about the internet and um, technological advances and what they've done to us in the past. Bottom line there is when we use tools and we use tools to shape our world, these tools also shape us. It's gonna happen, right? So we at least I think have to be aware of how and why we're using the tools, how they might be affecting us and what else we might wanna do in life to make sure we keep what's important. And then we also want to make sure we develop in the right direction, right? So I think too much social media use can definitely be an impediment. It can be an obstruction. It can get in the way of how we want to develop and it can get in the way of us keeping some of our good things, right? Mainly, or one of them that I'm most concerned with is our ability to pay attention, our ability to not be distracted, our abilities also to be happy, right? And to pursue our purposes. So all of these things can be undermined by a certain type of interaction with social media, especially one where it's like you're spending a lot of unconscious time on it on a regular basis. So that being said, that was more of a summary than I thought I'd give. But ultimately, here are three books I recommend that I think speak to these issues if you want to learn more about it. So the first one is called The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. By Nicholas Carr. And that title is actually very, it's a very good title. He talks about, you know, from like a neurological standpoint, our brains are literally being rewired. So that's a very interesting book. Um, <clears throat> the second book I'd recommend that speaks a little bit more to just like the kind of uh, like, let's say social, like sociological, emotional, anthropological effects. So it's like, this book talks a lot about rises in depression, anxiety, and feelings of loneliness. And the author makes a very good case for the fact that social media is a cause of that. Um, our smart, our smartphones are causes of that. This accessibility, this constant connectivity is a driving force there. So that book is called, um, iGen by Gene Twenge or Twenge, T-W-E-N-G-E. And then the last book I recommend is Stand Out of Our Light, Freedom and Resistance in the Attention Economy by uh, James Williams. Also very similar to the other two books. Um, I love this book. This book presents a great idea of like we have different types of light within us, all of which kind of connect to different ways of thinking and being. And social media attacks our ability to kind of establish a sense of purpose to know what we want to want, really like to almost want to want, right? Cause when you think about the experience on social media and I'm sort of going in my own direction here a little bit, right? Um, When you're just on it scrolling and you're not even keeping track of time and these, it's almost like it's so addictive and at times, right? It can detract from our ability, especially living in like the world of algorithms, right? To kind of think autonomously to think for ourselves, which is something we really wanna maintain, right? So all these books elaborate on those issues and others, which is to say, to a large extent, Marcus is right. And it seems like we've invented a tool or set of tools that have, almost, that you know, again, I think almost is an understatement that have made these things worse. They've increased our ability to have thoughts that are random or distracted or not focused, to focus on things that are irrelevant to like, let's say the four stoic virtues, um, or things that are relevant ultimately to our highest purposes that are relevant to our overall feeling good. Um, we could even say, and I think James Williams makes a good argument for this. It's prevented us from connecting with other people in a meaningful way. It's prevented us from working through what might be obstacles to teach each other things, to help each other grow. Um, So yeah, I mean, self-importance too, maliciousness, I think that's, those are obvious, you know? Why do you want likes on a photo, right? There's a sense that you're important. Well, in the Stoics you'd be like, be very careful with that, right? That they would say avoid that entirely. And that's, they would say that thousands of years ago. Um, So let's move on a little bit. I don't want to spend too much time. I do hope some of you might consider those books because they're very interesting. And I do think as someone who also uses a, a smartphone, right? If I'm using this thing every day, I should know about it. Right? We should research the things we do on a daily basis to see if they're actually helping us or not. I think that's an interesting idea. So, on the note of daily things, here's what Marcus says next. And this is actually what I think is a very useful suggestion. We need to get used to winnowing our thoughts. I'm saying the word we because I'm conversing hopefully with, with listeners right now but he says to himself you need to get used to winnowing your thoughts that's it right there so what does this word winnowing is it's kind of a weird word like this is the first time i've ever seen this word i think um but it basically means like separating and i think also i'll add to this just for the sake of the conversation like separating and guiding so he's telling himself you need to get good at or you need to get used to you need to practice you need to habituate the idea of separating and guiding your thoughts. So how do we do that? Cause that's, that's a process, right? But I think it's a process worth doing and it's a process we can get better at with training over time on a regular basis. And I do agree with him that ultimately learning to winnow or separate and guide our thoughts is a way we can keep social media in our lives and not have it dominate our lives and have it at the very least damage us less. This is actually like the whole basis, really, to an extent, of my dissertation. Right, I'm suggesting certain philosophical exercises. Um, I think doing episodes on each of these exercises might be a good idea. So that maybe that's what I'll do. I'll try to post those and record those the next few days. But ultimately, just to give you a summary of it, um, I think every day we should make time. Not ironically, because this was the first philosophy book I ever read. Right, so I think it impacts me to this day but make time like Marcus is doing with the meditations to sit and write and read on a daily basis. We could even read what we write, but we have to sit with a physical journal or paper or note cards, whatever post-it notes. We have to make time to do this, to sit in some form of silence. And by that I mean silence just for the argument right now, we can define it as not speaking and you have some control, over the sound of the area, right? So this is where headphones come in. This is where a relatively quiet place in your home or elsewhere might come in, right? We wanna cultivate a sense of silence. So definitely don't say anything, right? Definitely put your phone away. Maybe put on some instrumental music or music that is not distracting, music that is repetitive to the point that it's not distracting, or music in general that's just not distracting right? I think I've spoken about this exhaustively in my classes, right? I love listening to music in languages I don't understand because the lyrics don't distract me, right? They're they're just pleasant to hear and they help me concentrate. They help me focus. So maybe headphones and some music, or maybe if you have access to some quiet areas, some silent areas, making even just 5, 10, 15 minutes a day to sit in silence, write, Read, right? Maybe we pair the practice. You have a book and you have a journal and you read the book. This is what I've done with meditations. I'm actually redoing this now with meditations because I have an idea for another book. I'm now sitting with meditations on a regular basis. I'm reading it and I'm using note cards to take the meditations I like the best and do something with them. And that's actually been really enjoyable for me. I do it usually in like 15 minute or 20 minute increments. I put on some music, again, it doesn't distract me, put headphones on and I just can sit and read and write and then read what I'm writing and write my own notes. And it's like, really, it feels therapeutic, right? And I think another element of this we can add, and I hope to always do this with the episodes too, is questions, right? Addressing a good question, something as simple and yet powerful as, well, what am I doing today? Why am I doing it? If we face those questions every day, and made it a little bit of a habit, right? and sat and wrote and created silence and learned how to pay attention and did not allow ourselves to get distracted, we might find that there are some therapeutic benefits to that. If you've taken my class before, which I do think a number of people listening, which by the way, thank you all for listening. We have listeners now. This is cool. Um, I've noticed in my classes, because we always do this, right? We always take about 10 minutes to do some self-writing and silence with questions that I provide. And I think a lot of students have embraced that and a lot of students have remarked positively on that on anonymous evaluations. So I do, I can confidently say that it's, it's helped a lot of people and even just observing, right? It's an engaging process. It fuels good dialogue afterwards when I ask students to talk with each other, right? So addressing questions in self-writing, in silence for 10 minutes a day or whatever you can do might lead us somewhere positive that helps us to do what Marcus is asking us to do here, which is learning to separate, organize, and guide our thoughts. The questions guide the thoughts. Maybe you don't like questions as much. Okay, you put an aim at the top of the page. Today, I'm going to think about this. Today, I'm going to describe this. Even if it's, let's say, quote, aimless, which is not really all that possible. If you just sat with a page and a, and a pen and even just started drawing and then started writing or something, but you made time on a regular basis to do it, that is winnowing, separating, and guiding your thoughts. Because also when we put on social media, or we even put on the TV, and we're looking at screens, we have some control, but we don't have a whole lot of control, right? So we're opening ourselves up to that randomness, that irrelevance. When it's you and a page, your degree of control is much better, and that allows you also to, you know, I can I'm going to talk a lot about self-writing, philosophical exercises forever on this podcast because it's just something I believe in, um, but it really does allow us to see our thoughts more clearly to winnow them right to organize them to separate them to understand them to test them for this you know for the stoic virtues that we've been discussing right am i thinking fairly am i thinking honestly am i thinking confidently am i thinking in a way that's disciplining myself in a good way right are, you know are my actions fair are they confident are they disciplined are they honest get it on the page examine it that's a meaningful dialogue between you and the page it's more organized it's more winnowed And I think that will grant us some peace. Again, I do think I can do episodes and I likely will on those elements, right? Of questioning, silence, self-writing and reading to give us some more details. Um, Because I do think these are great things, even a reading practice, right? Reading is going to train our minds in a way, by that I mean, sitting with a book or even like a newspaper or a magazine, there's really great evidence to suggest that's training our brains in a very healthy way. There's a great quote from Aristotle that I think uh, James Williams starts his book with, if I'm not mistaken. But it's uh, it is it is shameful to not use our good things. So if you can read, you should read. And Ryan Holiday has some great stuff on this on his uh, YouTube channel about reading because he's obsessed with it, and I think it served him very well, and it's also served me very well. But he was basically he was quoting someone else, and I, I it escapes me right now who he was quoting, but he said basically like there really isn't a difference between not being able to read and not reading. Right? So use this thing. And once again, there's research to suggest that reading actually helps you be relaxed. It helps you train your focus. It can lead to a more tranquil and peaceful life, sitting and reading a book, 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, whatever. And my reason for setting the bar there is, I think I already shared it on this podcast, but I love this quote from Simone Veil: A quarter of an hour of real attention right of actual attentive attentiveness let's say is worth more than hours of like inauthentic or fake or not sustained attentiveness so maybe start with 15 minutes a week and then work up to 15 minutes a day we could even say in terms of winnowing strategies, right? There's something called, and I always share this to it with my students, something called the Pomodoro method that suggests we focus in 25 minute increments where you choose a task, you put your phone away and you focus on that task for 25 minutes. Another great book on this is Deep Work by Dr. Cal Newport, where he talks about different strategies to help us train our focus so we could be more productive. So these are all winnowing things, right? So this, this word for me, when I looked it up and I realized when I kind of from context clues could tell, because I I thought of like winnowing, like the winnow of fish, right? It's like fish kind of swim in specific directions together. And I think winnows are small. So it's like you'd see like in my brain 30 winnows moving through water together in a discernible, clear direction, right? It's almost like it's predictable. We can make habits that help us have more predictable patterns of thought. That's what he's saying when he's like, train your thoughts. That's the training. Again, pen and paper is great for that training. So is silence so is reading, and so are questions, right? So how could you maybe winnow your thoughts a little bit more today? How could you start winnowing your thoughts? How can you make a thought winnowing habit that could lead to a more peaceful life, um, a more truthful life, a more just life, a more self-disciplined life, right? All of Because if we can't think, we can't do any of that well. And our phones are not helping us think. Because in order to think, really, Deeply, we have to pay attention. And we, that's an obvious point. You don't need research for that. Everybody would pretty much agree that the smartphone, especially with things like Instagram and other social media apps, is not helping us pay attention. The influx of information is too rapid, right? It's not, it's not improving our ability to do that. So we have to work on winnowing strategies to make sure we keep that capacity because it's really essential and important and necessary for leading a happy, healthy Uh, virtuous life. So I'll stop there. Think of some winnowing ideas. Think of the thoughts also maybe that you'd want to train. And then that kind of connects nicely also to, I think, the skills you want to train. Hope this is helpful. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon.